0: Hello, my name is Sarah Joy Levesque. I'm a covenant member at The Well. I'm a part of the Brentwood CG, and I serve in the nursery. Today, I'll be reading out of John 14, verse 25 through 31. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He has no claim on me, but I do as the Father has commanded me, so that the world may know that I love the Father. Rise, let us go from here. This is the word of the Lord.
1: All right, heirs of God, how are we? Good. Good to be here with you all this afternoon. Are we ready? Good, good. And we're in full Christmas swing now. All right, I feel it. Uh, My family, we went and saw lights on Thursday and a little Christmas play, and it was super, super cute. And I'm getting, like, to that age where I'm like, oh, this is really cute. Like, I would never use the word cute in the past, but now I use it very frequently. And y'all got y'all sweaters and flannels and scarves and hats on, even though our winter resembles most people's early summers. All right, we're still in. It's holiday season, all right? We got our, our, our special drinks with us. Who in here likes eggnog, by the way? Okay, repent and believe in the gospel. <laughs> Listen very closely to the words of Christ today because that's not from God, all right? Um, hey, Michigan, uh, whooped on Iowa. We're number two in the CFP. Go blue. That has nothing to do with Christmas, but being a mission gander, I had to drop that in somewhere, all right? Hope deferred makes a heart sick. We have tarried for a long time. But if you tarry through the night, joy's coming, y'all. All right. All of this to say week two, Advent. We ready? Advent, once again, is that idea, the time when we think about Jesus' coming, uh, that he came in the first place as a baby, incarnation, God becoming man, and also that he's coming again. And we're in this current season of awaiting his arrival, that's what the word Advent means. And what does this uh, really mean for us? And so if you missed last week, we're thinking about how the implications of God becoming man produces in us an arrival. Around us, perfect hope and perfect peace and this unbelievable uh, love and this joy that is coming and how we get fragrances, whiffs of the reality of that truth, and yet at his final coming, we will get that to its completion. We're using John 14 through 16 to think about this Advent theme. And so if you're not in uh, something in your devotional time, you can uh, journey in that with us as well. And really kind of building anticipation for his second Advent, that this current season of waiting we find ourselves in, I believe if we have this anticipation if we have a, a waiting, a longing for the coming of Christ, it will actually be balm in our hearts that we need to endure the life that we find ourselves in. And so the more we wait for his coming, the more we long for it, the more we can endure in the present. And so last week we talked about hope, and this week our focus is on peace, that Christ himself is our perfect peace. At his coming, he will bring with us peace and perfection. Uh, The word peace actually occurs 361 times in the Bible, but the idea of peace is very different than our typical definition of peace. Our version of peace, ironically, is negative in nature and in theory. When we think about something like world peace, we tend to mean the absence of something, like the absence of war or the absence of relational conflict, therefore we have peace with somebody, or the absence of emotional unrest, or the absence of turmoil. So something negative no longer present, that's how you and I tend to use the word peace. And this is definitely a part of the biblical definition of peace. However, in the Hebrew culture, this term is much more beautiful and much more rich than just this. You see, the Bible uses this word way more complexly than just the removal of negative things. The Bible's idea of peace actually encompasses this really complex visual. They were visual learners in a lot of way, and in a lot of ways, and what they think of is like a hundred or a thousand different pieces of a wall or of a puzzle. And peace or shalom is when all of those pieces are put together back into perfection, that is when you have shalom or peace. And so if you are somebody who over the holidays, you will go with your family and do puzzles. I don't know why y'all do that, but y'all do you. Puzzles are gut-wrenchingly terribly boring, okay? But for some of us who enjoy that sort of thing, think about like a wildly complex puzzle, right? Like a hundred thousand piece puzzle. And if any piece of the puzzle is missing, then you do not have shalom in a biblical definition. But when every piece is finally put together, that is when shalom or peace is there. And so completion or wholeness, closer to the idea of perfection is the biblical word for peace. And so in biblical terms, when anything is missing, so is shalom. And when you restore it, though, back to its original or its highest uh, intention, its uh, highest possible functioning state, then that's when shalom comes, when fullness comes, when peace comes. So it's not just the absence of fighting. It's not just that bad is no longer there, it's that good is fully present. And so in our text today, Jesus begins to highlight what this type of peace looks like in our life. He says there in uh, verse 27, he says, "'Let not your hearts be troubled.'" Y'all remember that phrase? Same phrase from last week if you were with us, right? And so in some sense, anxiety in the heart or troubled hearts not only robs us of hope like we talked about last week, but it's also the murderer of peace. When you have this turmoil in the soul, peace is often fleeting along with it. And because Jesus understands that so many things war against our future hope and our present and future peace, not just externally around us, but even at the heart level, he dives back into the same theme we were talking about last week. He doesn't just say, like he said in verse three of this same chapter, believe in God, believe in me, and hope in the coming future. That is enough to endure belief, but he dives into this idea even more because he longs for you, family of God, to have hope and peace and love and joy. Don't miss that, okay? God doesn't just not care about your existence, just sitting in heaven waiting for you to finally get there. He longs for you to get it today. And so Jesus will repeat himself multiple times in multiple different ways to try to allow us to experience God's goodness, to find comfort in him. And so how do we have this inner shalom, this wholeness of the heart like he talks about there in verse 27? Well, first of all, notice the emphasis on Jesus' words in this very passage. In verse 25, he talks about speaking with them, and he highlights that he's saying things. Now, he doesn't have to highlight this. He's literally talking to them, and yet here he is highlighting And in the next verse, it talks about the Holy Spirit that is coming to help them remember the things that he said. In verse 28 and 29, Jesus once again is calling them to remember the words of Christ. And so part of the way that we gain the peace that we're looking for is by remembering what the Father, remembering what Christ the Son, remembering what the Holy Spirit has said. See, remembering the words of the Messiah brings peace remembering or recalling the words of Christ, it brings peace. And so how do we grow in peace? Well, our first point, we remember the words of Christ, aka we read the Bible, okay? See, I love Psalm 29. It's one of my favorite psalms. Because in it, there's this like majestic language used about God. And as it's talking about God, it actually talks about the voice of God. And it says that phrase, the voice of God, seven times throughout Psalm 29. And it talks about all of this majesty that comes with God's very voice. The the words that he speaks, it it bursts forth this, this power. And as it begins to paint this picture of God, it talks about God being this fearsome, like wildly massive creator. And I love this idea of God because I think sometimes we get stuck in the incarnation of God and we see his gentleness and his beauty and hallelujah, praise God for that. But we also need a God who's powerful enough to overcome sin. And so here comes this God and all of this fearsome power. And it says that his words as he speaks, it flashes forth flames of fire, it says. Like, can you just imagine that for a second? If I started speaking right now, and then flames of fire started coming out, right? You'd be like, dog, you'd be scared, okay? And it also says that uh, the trees are like splitting and, and shedding all of their leaves, and the voice of God thunders, and it says that deers just be given birth when God speaks, right? And I love that imagery. I don't know why the psalmist wrote that, but it's like deer, meh, right? Or whatever a deer sounds like, I don't I don't know what a deer sounds like, okay? Grew up in the inner city, not in the deer land, all right? (laughs) And listen, there's all this power in God's voice, right? And as the psalm is progressing, here's what you would think. You would think that when it finally gets to us, like the deers are giving birth and the mountains are melting like wax and the skies are splitting open and when God speaks to us that we would just like explode and disintegrate at the exact same time with our ratchet sinful selves, right? Like when God speaks to us, if all these other things go into chaos, what happens when he speaks to sinful man? God whispers and we should just cease existing or something, And yet, quite the opposite actually happens. You see, Psalm chapter 29, verse 10, it reminds us that God is unbelievably powerful. It says the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord is enthroned as king forever. But rather than melting us like wax, when God speaks to us, it says that the Lord gives strength to his people and the Lord blesses his people with shalom or peace. The Lord's words, family of God, give strength and shalom. It gives peace. And so, part of what quells your anxious heart is remembering the words that Christ has spoken to us through his word. Which is why reading is so important and why we are often troubled at heart because we do not read or remember the words of Christ. We spend more time on our Instagram feed and on social media than we do in the scriptures. And then we wonder why our hearts have this turmoil in our soul. God is trying to display to us how we gain peace and part of how we gain peace is through his word. And as we find and read his word, then it brings shalom, a wholeness, a completion that overwhelms our anxiety. In verse 29, Jesus is saying that he's explaining all of these things to them in advance so that when suffering comes, they may believe the words and find peace. Did you catch that? You see, it's easy to just hear a sermon or read your Bible and then Literally not think about what is said ever again, advance and hit a trial in life, and then all of a sudden become shipwrecked in our faith. But God is writing these words in advance so that when we hear and then when we see that problem or in the midst of it, we are able to endure despite our circumstance. The words of Christ allows us to endure And so, family of God, are you hearing and remembering the words of Christ now so that when trial comes, you may still believe? The stats aren't good for us. We're a young church, and it says that about 80% of you ain't going to follow Jesus at the end. How do we endure? Get in God's word, y'all. Spend time remembering the words of Christ. You see, how do we have hope? Remember last week, believe in God, believe in me, believe that I'm coming. That's how we gain hope. But how do we endure when trial comes? We remember the words of life. We remember the scriptures that were spoken to us. And so are there things that Jesus is telling you right now before something takes place that when it does take place, you may endure till the end, family? Are there words that Jesus has spoken to you through his scriptures, through God's people that are meant for your endurance. And maybe they don't hit very hard right now. Maybe a sermon on peace is not what you need because you feel like you have peace. Well, guess what? A year from now, you'll probably need it. Do you remember the words of Christ that you might endure? Are you meditating on remembering that shalom might overwhelm your soul? Part of how you find peace is meditating on the words of Christ. I love what he says. He says, These things I have spoken to you that word, these things, it literally translates everything that I've said. And he actually says it six times in the farewell discourse between John 13 and 16. He says it here, he says it in fifteen eleven, and then in chapter 16, the last chapter, he says it in verse 1, 4, 6, 25, and 33. In other words, over and over and over again, what he's saying is, remember all the words I've spoken to you. Hold on to them dearly. Do not let them slip away from your soul that you might endure. These words are how we find endurance. They are how we look forward to what is to come and maintain in the current situation we may find ourselves in. Remember the words of Christ. How else do we find shalom? How else is Jesus calling us to have peace? Well, one, through his word, but secondly, it's also through his spirit. You see there in verse 26, Jesus beginning to highlight the Holy Spirit of God. Jesus mentions the Holy Spirit five times in the upper room discourse, and this being the second of the five times. And if you're going to mention something five times right before you die, it's probably pretty important right? Like like Jesus wants us to understand this relationship with the Spirit. And part of the reason why Jesus is not just pointing to his second coming, where all things will be perfect, but pointing to the Holy Spirit's sort of sealing coming that he did in Acts chapter 2, is that the Spirit's role is to produce the very things that our Advent words are pointing us towards. And so how do we grow in peace? Well, we actually grow in intimacy with the Holy Spirit. We get to know the spirit of God. As we find intimacy with the spirit, we actually grow in peace. Why do I say that? Well, Galatians chapter 5, verse 22, it says that this is the fruit of the Spirit. And the fruit of the Spirit is what? Love, our Advent word for week three. And joy, our Advent word for week four. And peace, our Advent word for this week as well. And so the first three fruits of the Spirit mentioned are words that Jesus repeats multiple times to his disciples because this is what the Spirit does. And so part of how we gain peace is we live by and we walk by, and we are filled with, and we find intimacy with the Spirit of God. He gives us the very things that Christ gives peace, because He is Christ Himself. They are one in the same. And see, it's easy for us to miss this balance, family, right? And through this, we miss the peace that Christ offers. It's easy for us to overemphasize the Holy Spirit and think about peace there or to overemphasize the scripture and find peace there and not find the balance of the two. You see, in some circles, the Holy Spirit is treated like a Gentile to the Trinity where he's almost like an outcast. And we don't think about the Spirit of God at all. In some circles, it's like God the Father, and God the Son, and God the Holy Bible. As if the Spirit of God did not write the Bible in the first place. And then I know in other circles, the spirit of God is treated almost like this mystic, glorified deity that gives you like this special Gnostic like knowledge that you become better than somebody else as the spirit of God speaks to you, as if the spirit doesn't submit to the scriptures because he wrote the scriptures through humans and God doesn't change. And so the same God as Huli said that is present yesterday and today and forever is the same God that will submit to the words he's already written in the first place. Amen? Somebody got hype on that. Shoot. (laughs) Listen, this is what we need to balance there is the Word of God and the Spirit of God. It's like two wings on an airplane there, and if you chop off one of the wings, watch how long you stay in the air. Not very long. And it's why I believe a lot of us shipwreck our faith, is that we don't find that balance of finding intimacy with the Spirit of God Allowing him to produce fruit in our lives and find remembrance in the word of God. The words that the Holy Spirit wrote himself. You see, doing this balance, being empowered by the Spirit and guided by the word, which is one of our distinctives here at the well, it does so many things for us. Giving us peace is one of them. And so we amass peace by remembering the words of Christ and by being filled with the Spirit of Christ and letting the Spirit produce fruit through us. Now at this point in the sermon some of you might say wait a minute I thought we were focusing on the second advent this advent season and Christ coming like like what does this have to do with the second coming of Christ nothing okay not yet at least okay Isolated from itself, I believe this is a good way to find present peace and to find this present shalom that our souls are looking for. But remember, last week, we actually look forward by looking backwards because as we look at God's past faithfulness, it dictates what God will do in the future. And as we see that God is fulfilling his promises over and over and over again, we can believe that he will fulfill them again in the future. And so as we look back at the faithfulness of God through the scriptures, then we see the coming of God and we can believe that peace will be perfected through us. Similarly, I believe that God's present commands build up anticipation for his future glory. Think about it. If you're reading your Bible and in the words of God, then will not the word of God point you to the second coming of Christ over and over again? And so as you're reading the Bible, then naturally you begin to long for the second coming of Christ, the second advent. And as you long for that, then you begin to see the peace that is coming and you long for that peace as well. Or if you're intimate with the Spirit of God, does not the Spirit want the same thing that Christ wants? Yes, he is Christ. God is one and the same. And so as you're intimate, then naturally you'll begin to long for the things that the Spirit longs for. And so the Spirit and the Word, they actually point forward towards our future, towards our perfect peace, what we should long for. And I believe that we find peace, family, thirdly, by longing for peace to come. It's perfect peace. As you long for it to come, I think you actually find it today. And it overwhelms the anxiety in your heart. What is this perfect peace? Because understanding what we're longing for will help us long for it rightly. Well, notice the type of peace that Jesus speaks of. He says there, I give you my peace. Right? Not just some random peace. Not just ethereal, an idea of what peace is. No, God himself is giving us his peace. My peace is what Jesus says. I leave peace with you, verse 27. I give you peace in the present, verse 27. And I am coming again and at my coming will be bringing perfect peace, verse 28. And so Jesus is giving us this peace to endure this life and to look forward to the next one as well, where this peace in part will be fully realized, Can I reset our context one more time? Just so that we're all on the same page, okay? No? All right, see y'all later. (laughs) Listen, we probably don't realize how often we're looking for peace because of how much we incorrectly define it. And so we don't realize that peace is a desperate longing of our soul because we're not defining peace correctly. When defined the way we define it in English as the absence of conflict, sure, we definitely desire this, but it's hard to see how all of our longings would point toward that one thing. You see, we definitely don't want conflict, but if peace is not just the absence of conflict, but if it's the wholeness or the restoration or the fullness of all things, then isn't that the main pursuit of humanity in a lot of ways? Isn't that the thing that we long for the most, our, our main pursuit of life? You long for peace, family. If you don't believe me, think about advertising. What is the main idea behind every single advertisement that exists? There's something missing in your life, a.k.a. no shalom, right? Remember, not the absence of conflict, but there's something not whole, not perfect, not good. There's something that you need, and if you just get this product, you got it. That's what every advertisement is, is it not? All of advertisement is telling us, yeah, we know that your heart is longing for perfection, and if you get this, you'll get it. And there's something different that Christ offers to us. You see, all of our souls, family, they long for peace. The problem is, is that we don't do a lot of soul work. And so we don't realize what our souls are telling us, and by doing that, we're unsure about what we actually want, and then we mistake advertisement's comfort for peace that our souls crave. You tracking with this? Yeah? Like, like a lot of us, we get stuck that are seeking comfort. We get stuck, uh, stuck and we get duped into believing that, man, if we just get this thing, then we will have what we desire. And we think that through that we're seeking peace, but in reality we're seeking comfort. And then we get comfort because we get that thing, but our souls still aren't satisfied, but we don't listen to our souls. So we'll seek more comfort and we get on this endless cycle where we never find shalom, That's what I believe many of us are stuck in. And your soul, family of God, is saying to you, comfort is not the answer. This is not what you crave. Comfort is fine. Like getting the the new things at Christmas, man, that's all right. I hope you get what you want for Christmas, all right? Like I ain't being a Grinch here, okay? But all of that is not going to satisfy you, family. It's not going to give you shalom in the way that your soul longs for it. You see, the world, they mask peace or they mistake peace for comfort. Something's missing, so add this. The gospel ironically says the same thing to us. It says something is missing and add this, but I don't want you to add comfort. I'm going to take it to a whole other level. I want you to add shalom. And I give you peace or wholeness or the fullness of God. Notice what Jesus says. Not as the world gives do I give, but I give you something entirely different. The world gives you comfort. The world gives you temporary. The world gives you momentary satisfaction. But I give it in a much broader, more beautiful, more complex, more awesome way that all of us deeply desire. The Pax Romana, which is the word Roman peace, It was actually a peace treaty that was secured by uh, the first emperor, Augustus. And the significance of this is that Augustus was actually the emperor around the time Jesus was born. He jumped in at 30 BC and he died at 10 AD. So he was the emperor when Jesus was a baby and up to the time that he was about the age of my oldest daughter right now. And this Roman peace that there was no conflict in the world at that time, it was obtained and maintained by this military might. In fact, the, the famous uh, Pacis, which is the altar of peace, there's actually a picture of it. And as some of you have done tours in, uh, in Europe, there's actually uh, this at one of the museums there. And it was actually erected by Augustus to celebrate this inauguration of peace. There's no more conflict in the world. And you know, it still stands today as a testimony of the world's empty messianic pretensions You see, the world cannot offer true peace, and even the presence of it is a mirage at best. It's a small moment in time, and this world's peace is extremely fragile. Rome's lasted for 200 years, one missile in whatever country, and bye-bye, peace. One pandemic, and all of a sudden, we feel like all of the world is coming undone, bye-bye, peace. Peace. You see, the peace that the world offers is so fragile, family of God, and it's why so many of us have anxious hearts or turmoil because we get duped by the world's comfort and we mistake it for peace, but what Christ offers is so much more. See, his is eternal. His is never to be robbed by any entity, for it is guarded and given by God himself, the world's peace comes through conquering and through wars against other humans who we dictate as oppressors to one country's peace. But Jesus' comes through warring against sin and conquering death and Satan. There's something more eternal about that. You see, the world's peace comes through violence and irony. The gospel's peace comes through violence as well. <laughs> But see, the world's peace comes through violence against oppressors. The gospel's peace comes through violence against the perfect. You see, you and I were the oppressors of peace. We were hostile in mind, and we were fighting and warring against God. We were creating chaos in the world, destroying the peace around us. And rather than God destroying us, Jesus takes it on himself. And all of a sudden, the prince of peace gets crucified like he's a war criminal, Like he's warring against and being hostile towards the peace of God. He does this, family, that you might find shalom. You see, if you believe in Jesus, then one day everything will be restored. That's what we're saying when we say peace. It's the restoration, the putting back together of all things. Do you hear that sentence, y'all? Everything will be restored. Everything. Everything. Everything will be restored. Like my child that we lost during pregnancy, I will see that child again. And your relational conflict and and the physical body breaking and the, and the, the mental health struggles and the corrupt world will be made new and you will have perfect harmony with those who were fractured and there will be no more poverty and your anxiety will be gone. Everything will be restored one day. That is the type of peace that Christ is offering. The the world's matchstick of peace compares nothing to the eternal peace that the Son of Righteousness offers. This is the peace that Christ is offering. And it's coming, y'all. This peace is coming. Because God has never, ever, ever, ever failed on a single promise. And so if he promises that he's bringing it, he is. Because he's God. And God does not lie. And this is the Advent season that we find ourselves in, and we await that type of peace. Not just the absence of conflict, but the restoration of everything that you long for. See, getting the new gadget will not restore the brokenness that we often feel, but Christ will, y'all. Christ will restore that brokenness. And see, this true peace, it takes work. Putting that puzzle piece back together after all of the fracturing, it takes work. And it's not just the absence of conflict. There's this restorative wholeness, which makes this type of work almost unattainable, which makes the gospel that much more beautiful, y'all. Because it seems almost impossible, and it is. But what is impossible with man is perfectly possible with God. God can fix it and God is going to do that. God will restore peace between God and man to perfection. And he'll restore peace between man and man, and he'll restore peace on the world around us. You see, Christ himself is this perfect display of present and future peace. In fact, in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 14, it says that Jesus himself is our perfect peace. He is our peace. He's our example. He was peace in human form, bringing about with him perfection all around him. Yet even though he is peace himself, he takes on the wrath of God. Having done nothing to war against this peace, because that's what you and I did. We fractured it. And yet, Jesus comes and lives in perfection. And then as I said, he dies like a war criminal. Why? Isaiah 53 prophesied about it. Verse 5 He was pierced for our sin, our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquity. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us, what? Shalom, right? Peace. And by his wounds, we are healed. Christ fixed or atoned for our warring against peace, not just momentary but eternal. And now because of this, you and I get to walk by the Spirit of God with the power of God upon us. And even though we will not taste this peace to perfection, we can begin to taste it in part. And Galatians 5, we walk by the fruit of the Spirit, and part of that is peace. And we become peacemakers with others because we bring about a kingdom that is real. One day, all things will be restored. Your peace will be perfect, family, if you believe in Jesus. This is what is coming. And so, family, I beckon you to taste the peace of Christ now, that you may feast upon the peace of Christ forever. It's coming for everyone who believes. Let us long for that. Amen. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. Let's pray. Jesus. God, I long for us to long for peace. God, I pray for my brothers and sisters right now. Would you create an overwhelming longing for peace? That we would long for the peace that is to come. That we would look forward to the fact that you will fix all things, everything. You are going to fix everything. God, that feels impossible at times. And God, I pray you would forgive us where we mask peace with comfort and therefore don't long for it in the way that we should. God, help us to long for peace. God, I pray for those who are in this room who do not know you and maybe do not have peace with you. For maybe you came in not knowing where you were in your relationship with Christ. And maybe you feel a lack of shalom in your heart. You know there's something missing. That wholeness That this world keeps acting like it can offer, it can't. Only Christ offers this peace. The wholeness is found in Jesus. And so I pray that today you would make him your God. And by doing that, that you would begin to taste the fragments of peace that is coming in perfection one day. And God, I pray for all of us who have made you our God. Would we, Jesus, not just find worldly comfort but godly peace? In the midst of death even, even as the disciples in Jesus were experiencing when these very words were being spoken, knowing that soon and very soon our shalom will be made whole. God, would you help us to long for it? Would you give us glimpses of it through your word and through your spirit? And we pray that you would come back, Jesus. Fix this. We are powerless to do this, Christ. But until you do, fill us with your power that we may be peacemakers on earth. And even make peace in our own hearts with you. We love you, Jesus. We praise things in your beautiful name. Amen.